Welcome everyone to JCV Art Studio Season 5. My name is Joanna and I am the author of The Unraveling and Dealer's Child and coming September, Spy Girls. Yep, it's coming. So before I introduce our author, we were we are having some difficulties with the internet. So I am recording this intro after our actual interview. We we were there was issues with a battery maybe running low and we wanted to get as much as the of the interview in as possible with the limited time that we had. So today I talk with multi-published author Yvonne Maximachuk. Now many readers are familiar with Yvonne's paintings, pottery, and books. She is the artist of the Broughton Archipelago and her novel Murder Rides a Gale Force Wind is an island mystery which was published in February 2022. Now, throughout eight years of writing this book, Yvonne drew on the complex and rich beauty of her home environment, the Broughton Archipelago, and she used it as the framework on which to hang the story. Tales from her neighbor, Bill Proctor, plus 36 years of small town life, provided plenty of material to set the story in this small coastal community of Echo Bay. Yvonne weaves the past into the present, along with the various social, political, and personal issues that demand everyone's attention. And of course, there's a mysterious death. So I hope you enjoy today's podcast. So Yvonne, I get a real strong sense of setting in your novels. And I was wondering, how important was that to you, like, uh, to make sure you get it right? Because it's almost like your setting is its own character. Well, on a scale of one to 10, I would say 10, making uh, the story um, in the setting here where I live, and I'm so familiar with it uh, in, in minute detail, uh, that was my very first decision was to hang the story uh, on the framework of, of this incredibly beautiful area of islands and inlets and mysterious little nooks. Okay. Okay. So where are you? Just, I'm curious, where are you uh, now? Like, are, are you in the ar- archipelago right now? Yeah, right now. Yeah, you got to go up to Port McNeil and then go due west by, uh, or east, sorry, by okay. boat. Or we have a private boat and a seaside studio and house and home that we carved out of the wilderness. Awesome. Awesome. So, so our listeners know, can you give us an idea of what Murder Rides a Gale Force Wind is about? Well, all my life here, I've been an observer both of people and the environment and the wildlife and the weather. And it seems like such a unique and interesting lifestyle when I see it reflected in other people's eyes when our guests come and visit. And so we have we have here um, like a cast, you know, an ensemble cast of characters. There's no one person who really, well, that's not true. There are some people that are real standout people, and I modeled one of my main characters after him. 
but I wanted the book to be a little bit different from the sort of standard formats of uh, mystery stories. And that was by having kind of a, like a lighthouse theme, you know, different people would be interacting with different characters and, and develop the story that way. So um, it's all fiction in that there is no murder in reality. The, you know, that's, that's a story. And then, but my question was, what would the people that I know out here do? And the answer that came to me was, it is extremely likely that they would just try to figure it out all by themselves. Okay. So, so they wouldn't be, there wouldn't be any police involved. They would do it themselves. Well, they would try to, but inevitably the police get involved. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now in the material you sent to me, um, it's noted in that material that most tales of the Pacific coast are focused on the, it says here, the bluff and buster of men who confront each other. And your story is driven by strong women. Can you talk to me about a few of the strong females in your novel, uh, like Kit or Carol Ann? Yeah, Kit, Carol Ann, Haley. Yeah, I think um, looking at my own life and what I've had to learn and go through and encounter and deal with and take on I felt my capacity grow so much you know in creative resourcefulness and so I wanted to imbue all of my female characters who live out here with with that um, quality and actually a lot of the men most of the men are like that too and if you don't have that quality of creative resourcefulness you actually can't live here very long okay yeah so uh, yeah all of the women uh, all of the women in my book are really memorable uh, also the cop margaret morris you know she's she's notable for her standing in her in her policing community too okay okay now i'm curious um because it's n noted that it took Eight years to write write this novel, to write Murder Rides a Gale Force Win. And I was just wondering, because I know I've retired and it's taken me longer to write my third novel than it has the previous ones. And was it the timing? Was Did it have to do with timing? Did it have to do with life? Or did it just, that's how long it took to write this novel? <laughs> well, when, uh, when you, you live in the wilderness... There's a lot of demand on, on you physically, you know, for maintenance. And we might not go shopping at the grocery store, but we'll go out and get some bait, you know, and set the crab trap. And then you have to go back and get the crabs out of the crab trap. And so there's that. And then I also have to do income earning work, of course, and my life career so far besides writing is a new thing uh new in terms of my my age you know i just started really writing seriously about 13 14 years ago and all of those books two of them i did with my neighbor bill proctor and they were basically what billy knows and so i taught him how to write and um and we did those books and then i wrote my memoir so and then i did a 
coloring book um, with uh, notes about what the story in the image was and also artist tips. So I'm pretty creative. You know, I wake up in the morning thinking about what I'm going to do. And if I get stopped, it's usually because of option paralysis. I have too many choices. So when I really wanted to be serious about writing, which is like an upwelling force, as is the painting and making pottery and gardening, all of these things, you know, they come from inside of you wanting to make something beautiful. So I had to order my life and add in a couple extra hours, like from six till nine in the morning is when I when I write. And that was great 10 years ago, but I'm not retired. I'd like to be in some ways. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so I would just write uh, from six to nine in the morning. And then sometimes there would be breaks, you know, maybe three or four or five months breaks because of having to leave here for health reasons or, you know, dealing with family. I don't know. It just took a long time. And then I did get, um, I got an editor who was amazing. And she sent me seven pages of suggestions. And so then I incorporated every single one of them because they were so good. Yeah. If you if you don't consult an editor, I just think you're just ripping yourself off from really having the best book possible. And then the actual production of the book took almost a year. I don't know, partly because of COVID and partly because my designer, I think, had a lot of clients. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I feel for those uh, book designers and editors. It, I, I agree with you totally. I mean, you get a good editor and it's amazing the story that gets produced you know, how that story morphs from, you know, the, those first drafts to, you know, when it is an actual book book, right? Exactly. Yeah. I know when I was up, I'm working on my sixth draft and, you know, I, and it was after the sixth draft that I got the editing. And so of course, then I went to a seventh, but somebody else looking at your whole book sees things that you don't you know, what you might have missed in terms of a li one little clue or uh, an anomaly in a character's behavior, you know, they go, well, why would they do that? You know, And so, yeah, it's worth the money. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, you're, so in case people have tuned in um, a little late, Yvonne is coming to us from the now make sure Yvonne let me know if I pronounce this um incorrectly the Broughton Archipelago on your 16 foot speedboat is that right yes that's right I have a 16 foot speedboat called Sea Rose and that's what I run around uh out there completely un uh, unconnected <laughs> so you gotta tell me what is it about being out on the water or living on a boat or I'll use an example. Now this is such a small comparison, small, small comparison. I just recently got a scooter 
Okay, so a Giorno Honda scooter. And I love that thing. I mean, I, I, I work part-time at a bakery and I try to take the long, I always take the long route home just so I can enjoy more of that ride on that bike. So what is it about um, living, like you live part-time on your speedboat or, and then, and then in, in nature, explain, please. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't live on the boat. My boat is like my, like your motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah, I, I live in the house that we built. Uh, you know, we milled the wood and cleared the land, milled the wood, built the house. And yeah, so it, I have a big studio, uh, actually have two studios, a painting studio and a pottery studio and three kilns. And yeah, so my, my boat, that, that's like, you know, remember when you first learned how to drive and you'd get in the car and you'd be like, just have that feeling of, independence and freedom and nobody knows where you are and and you know and you have that on your motorcycle too right you can go where you want you're like the master of your own destiny so that's a good analogy you're talking about your art um you are an acrylic and watercolor artist and i was on your website and your paintings are lovely um I do art, but of a different medium, and that's with the markers. And I always, I refer to my creativity as the yin and yang of creativity. I find the art helps the writing, and the writing helps the art. Do you find that your writing inspires your art and vice versa? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm not like separated into into bits and pieces, you know, everything feeds everything else. It's like a wild garden, you know, that you, you sort of cultivate your, your soul, your spirit, and then your creativity, what comes out of you and what you have periods of time you can nurture. And the thing that I found interesting was that when I'm painting, I'm only in in me and what I want and there's no external observer but when I'm writing I'm always listening to how it might be heard and so that's that's a, a notable difference that I discovered okay okay I hardly get to talk to fellow artists on the podcast and uh, I actually was looking at your wearable art and I saw T-shirts and the totes looked amazing. And I'm thinking of getting some of my art printed on. Oh, my God. I was going to suggest that to you, Joanna. Yeah. Well, it's totally because of your art. It's, I think it would be awesome on the on this. It's an outfit called Le Galeriste. I'll send you the name. But you can just look it up and sign on. And it, it's a really, really good They like totally promote and support artists work you, you know you can purchase what you create what you know what you select in terms of items you notice to have the totes and the t-shirts and then I have kimonos and um so you can select they have like 37 different or maybe more items and yeah you can do um a few and do it on the side or you can really go crazy and set up a store 
talk to me about your your wearable art. How did how did that all come about? Uh, when I when I was younger, my sister did a a family genealogy, and so my father's side of the family is Ukrainian, mm-hmm. and my mother's side of the family is what I call mixed continental. So she came from English, French, Italian, Swiss, and probably Scottish. And then a little bit of um, uh, mid, you know, the Balkans. And so in our family tree, there was a Swiss fabric mill. And when I was going to college in the 70s, one of my career choices was to be a fabric designer. Cool. Yeah, which I thought, you know, would be so lovely because I loved sewing too. I used to, I used to make a lot of clothes. I just don't have time now and fabric has gotten extremely expensive and clothes were very cheap so but uh, anyway what happened I just never was able to follow that career my first job was doing film animation at Canada West Film Productions and I got to draw wow they got paid for it it was amazing yeah <laughs> but then I fell in love and I got married and I had children and so you know life takes the the mummy path, and then I got divorced, and then that takes the single mummy path. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I began to paint, and uh, I was approached by the galleriste, I don't know, about seven years ago when they uh, started to get up and running, and they searched the internet for artists and found websites, and so uh, I thought, well, I may not have become a fabric designer, but I can still have my art on clothing and things that people can wear and use and it's been lovely that is so cool that is so cool now i know you mentioned this earlier i think you're a creative okay Uh, you're not just one you know author artist you're a creative a creative uh pottery you're mentioning um how I guess I'm wondering. I was going to say, how do you see yourself? But you're all of the above. So what what makes you decide what you're going to do? Let's say one day or the other. Um, is it, you know, is it um, a project you want to get finished? Like, do you get? Because sometimes I get totally into writing mode. Okay, and I won't create any art for a few weeks. And then I start to get a little antsy because it's like, just let me draw something. Okay. So what about you? Is it, how, how do you, how do you deal or cope with that demand wanting to do so many different things? Uh, That's such a good question. And I have sometimes when I see the, um, what is it? The incredible accomplishments and success of a person who is a musician or is a uh, an oil painter and, and basically aside from shopping eating and tending to the you know the things you have to do in the life that's all they do and I'm worried that having so many different arenas of expression has limited you know really becoming really, really good at any of them but in my more sensible moments, I just tell that little anxious creature to 
just take a rest and go <laughs> and I go and I go and do something. But I what I have devised when you went to school, you know, some people hated having to go to social studies and then English and then gym and then art, but actually having um, two hour working increments really works for me. So when I am writing, I'm getting up and I'm writing in the morning. Yeah. And I have breakfast and my second coffee. And then my best energy, see my strongest energy is actually still in the morning. So that's when I paint, if I'm going to paint mm -hmm. acrylic. Or, or a, a big watercolor because you really have to pull your chi up for it. You know, you have to invest a lot of juice, you know, to do a to do a, a substantial painting. Like the one I'm working on now, I've been working on about two hours a day, two to three hours a day maximum. So, you know, I probably have to quit after three hours because of my body, my hands, you know. So and then I take another break and then I have a two hour period in the afternoon, you know, where I need to go to the garden because that's when the sunlight is on the garden. Yeah. And and then, uh, yes, like you, I will get into potting mode. So I'll get a new batch of clay and then I'll just pot every morning for two hours and, and then, yeah, paint and then garden. So I, if I follow a routine. Yeah, but then it gets broken. You know, I'll look out the window and there'll be like a pot of orca going by. So away I go and go see who the orca are. Yeah. Take some ID shots and send them off to the the orca people. It, it's it's like here's my basic rule when I teach. Oh yeah, I fit in teaching too. <laughs> I run art retreats and I used to teach. Hey folks. As you can tell some of our internet was cutting in and out um, with the podcast recording you just listened to with Yvonne Maximchuk. The podcast, the recording stopped just at the crucial moment and Yvonne so wanted me to add this little bit to what she was talking about. And that was, she tries to break her day into workable sections to keep herself energized. And the only rule Yvonne observes is that in art and life, we need repetition with variety. All right. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Bye-bye.